I got something to talk about. This world is messed up and crazy. How I'm supposed to know? How I'm supposed to show? Afraid you see me, then afraid you let me go. Somebody paid me the way. I'm just trying to grow. Start a fire, let them see the smoke. Angel wings in the streets of gold. Loose change, gotta pay the toll. And it's a rocky road. They try to tell you to stop. They don't want you at the top of the spot. You gotta take you it. Gotta take you it. gotta make it. You gotta break it, chains. Gotta break it, chains. Uh, you gotta break them chains. You gotta break them chains. Uh, you gotta break them chains. You gotta break them chains. You gotta break them. So, I've got Nina Cudney. Yeah. Yep. Here as a, what did we determine your your title was? <laughs> Speaker and sex revolutionary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, just to make sure you can hear me all right, because I want to, I've got you here on the picture in picture. So, um, here to talk about sex, the the point of my podcast is always to talk about uncommon conversations. So uh, I want to make sure we get some education on basic topics, but also that we go to some of that stuff that people just don't know that they should know, right? And one of the big things for me is making sure we don't have to knock it all out in one episode, right? We've got, let's say we take an hour, we start the conversation, we almost make a rubric for how we're going to have this going forward. And then we touch on you know another subject in more depth at another time or if new subjects come up or or really anything you want to talk about so it's your world awesome good good so from there um i guess give a little introduction to yourself because this is i you were on our other podcast but um to this series if someone was to listen to this first and foremost how, what do they need to know about you? Why should they listen to you about sex? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, my edu- educationally speaking, um, my bachelor's and master's are both surrounding mental health and human sexuality. So that's that's the boring piece. The exciting piece is that I happen to be female and um, sexuality with females is always this, this ta- I mean, sexuality in general is taboo, but sexuality with females, especially after the whole Me Too movement, and I think just in general, it's really kind of shifted. So I'm super passionate about it, constantly reading about it, listening to webinars. It's like, you know, people go on Pinterest to look up recipes, and I go on there to find, you know, new positions in the bedroom and why why there's an orgasm gap. So I'm just, a, I'm just super passionate about it. Right. In... I guess for me, it's making sure that we're always educating men on my side, right? Um, Men and women listen to this, so that's why I think it's great for um, you to be given the information you're giving. But from the aspect of my podcast and my blog, it's the questions I'll be asking might be something from a man to understand more so men are understanding women. So I don't want you to get away from talking specifically about why this is important to a woman or why a woman cares because that is something that a guy always needs to know. But understand that I may not always be asking for both sides of of the fence, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, good. 
I actually will start with what were we talking about the other day when we were prepping for this show? We we brought up uh, you asked me a, a subject and I and we had a pretty good conversation on it. And I told you, don't forget it. <laughs> I totally did. I yeah. did. <laughs> you forgot it, too. Well, so we talked about so many things. Oh, no, we talked about the comment was... on your on your video. Right. Right. Um and... The use of fantasy and orgasm, yeah. Right. In the in the comment to your video, if you just want to sum it up, or, I mean, if you want to look it up and read it, I guess I could too, but... Um, um, it, it was... I can I remember it. So my video was really about trying to explain how um, fantasy is, is often used um, for for females uh, to, right. to get to orgasm. And so... A man, and for the sake of argument, I'm just talking about like cis men and cis women, like just biologically and identified as men and women. Right. Um, he made a comment, uh, super respectful, but just basically was like, you know, men need fantasy too. Um, it might be easier for men because they are more easily aroused by what's actually going on in the moment. Um, right. He said, but if women keep fantasizing when they're with their partner, then there's going to be like a, a you're kind of separating yourself from your partner and the man's going to kind of catch on to I that. I actually have it up if you want me to read it. I go for it. It said, um, hmm, I think the problem is the more you fantasize, the more you distance yourself from your partner. Now, men need, phys need the physical aspect to orgasm for the most part. That's why most men keep their eyes open. But women... But if a woman is fantasizing about something else, then there's really no need for the male to be there mentally. She may as well masturbate alone. Men will pick up on it eventually. And sorry, it's hard to read because it was blurry. Yeah, because it touched on the other point was the whole, you know, then what's the purpose of having a man there if a female is fantasizing? Right. Um, and the truth is, we act, nobody needs anybody to orgasm. Like, guys right. don't. Women don't need men. You know, that's that's the truth. We, you're right. We don't need anybody. Um, but I think the point that's being missed is that what what humans love about being with their partner is everything else, is the whole experience. Right. You know, I can order my own. That's not nearly as sexy as being with my partner with the whole, you know, the whole experience of being with somebody else. But you said something that made me realize that I don't think I was as clear when I was thinking about his response. I, I immediately kind of got like, oh, there's another man like trying to shame women for what we need to right. orgasm. And you said something to me that, which I love, and it kind of was like, wait a minute, you know, you said, well, I mean, I see the point, you know, like if, if you're fantasizing about somebody else all the time or a whole other scene all the time, then like, <laughs> what's this, missing? Why be with this person? Right. Right. And it reminded me that you're absolutely right. I, I do agree that there's some, if you're always fantasizing about anything other than your partner, I'm not saying that you should break up with them, but there's just things that maybe need to be visited there. But the part that I was thinking about was that um, I'm really big on talking about your fantasies to your partner. Right. So I think maybe I completely neglected the fact that some people, a lot of people probably aren't comfortable sharing their fantasies with their partner mm -hmm. because to me, another tool in the bedroom. So even if I have a whole other scene conjured up in my head that maybe doesn't even involve my partner, if I talk 
to him about it and say, hey, I thought, I think it'd be really hot if, you know, whatever it is, two other guys were here. And we had a relationship where he was like, yeah, like, let's play up on that. It, it doesn't, it's not like a personal attack. It's more like the equivalent of like a sex toy. It isn't to replace the partner. It's just to add to it. So yeah. I think I understand that you, you made me look at it differently. It was, yeah, there's, there could be a distancing because of that. But um, I think sharing your fantasies is and really I, what makes it. And I also uh, said that the fantasies that men and women have are different, right? Yeah. Because, um, I, I'm not even sure I 100% feel this, but in the conversation I said, most times the the assumption is when a guy is fantasizing during sex, if he closes his eyes and he's fantasizing, he's fantasizing about a different woman, right? Um, I said that in the conversation, but I don't I don't often do that and think about someone else. I may think about a different scene, which is making which which sounds like something you're. Yeah. You're saying just because every time you have sex, it's not going to be the hottest sex you've ever had. 100%. Um, so I, I honestly do see myself doing that, but I can't sit here and act like I've never, ever thought about someone else when I was having sex. And that's just me being completely honest. So what is it what you then? Like when like you were, I, I think you cut out there for a second. So say it again. What did that mean to you then? So in the moment when you're fantasizing about somebody else, other than your partner, mm -hmm. does that automatically mean that you don't love your partner, you're not attracted to them, and you want out of the relationship? Or were you just like, I just need something totally different right now in order to get to where I want to get to? I think you're making a great point, and I agree with your point, even though you were asking a question. The point you were making there, I agree with that, no, it doesn't mean I didn't love whoever I was with, and I can't, you know, to be honest, I can't even remember who that would have been with. I just know I've done that before. Um, so maybe it might have been with someone I didn't love to the point. But the other point I'm making, though, and I think the comment made is you say, you say that women need to fantasize a lot. So if to his defense, if he's thinking women need to fantasize a lot, a lot most times when I fantasize or when I hear guys fantasize, they're fantasizing about someone else. Women are fantasizing about someone else. Why be there? So I, that's why I defended the comment at the time. I, I agree with both sides. I think you got to get yourself there and however you get yourself there is important and, and maybe the most important thing. But at the same time, uh, being in the moment, to, especially to me, because I'm really about being in that moment, right? I, I, if we're going to go quote unquote, I don't like to fuck a lot. I don't like quickies. I don't, I, I will and they're hot sometimes, but my preference is is a little more than that like we said before in our other podcast because you know i'm about pleasing as much as i am about being pleased which you know takes time as we're going to talk about right um, but so i i know i rambled there for a second but that's kind of where i came from on it good it's good and it's interesting because i'm so used to speaking from a, from a female perspective that sometimes I will own the fact that I literally assume that I know how men think. Um, and I think that it's, it's really not fair to assume that, you know, everyone makes jokes. Oh, men are so simple. Men are so simple. One, I don't agree actually at all. And two, I think that the men that come across quote unquote simple, sexually speaking, like what they need, 
Um, it could literally be that they just are, or right. it could also mean that they have not allowed themselves to get past a lot of the social stigma around male sexuality because there's a whole lot. You guys are that whole toxic masculinity stuff that goes around that's talked about is that you guys, I think actually men you people. suffer more from what? I said you people because you're saying you I guys, you guys, you guys, I'm joking. Oh, oh <laughs> you people, yeah. I think that men mm -hmm. suffer more from sexual orientation stigma than than females do because if if I were to kiss a girl right now it for for most not all for most men that would be oh it's hot but nobody would question my orientation right if my husband kissed another man all of a sudden he's gay if you know and that's I think that I don't think that's fair I think sexual fluidity kind of goes across humans not just for women. So I don't think that men get off scot-free in this sexual taboo world either. I think that men struggle with a lot as well as, as women. Right. I think, and you know, whether we get to it today or not, I think men suffer from a lot of things that they just don't get talked about. Hence the whole point, uncommon conversations for men, ultimate bachelor, all that stuff. Um, men's progression is having some of those conversations understanding which ones you're comfortable with which ones you're not understanding that other people have the same conversations you have um so these you know um assumptions or or whatever that you said are made about men that that like you said are ma all masculine right we were talking also about the fact, well, I'm gonna let you say it. The fact of all the words associated with men are hard and, and, uh, well, go ahead. You do it. Oh, yeah. About the activity I did, you're talking about? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, I did a workshop this past weekend on more of the sexuality around females. Um, and we talked about slang words that are used for penis, vagina, and intercourse. And when we got to penis, all of the words were like super strong, you know, like cock, dick, like they were like, rawr, you know? Right. And intercourse was also very penis dominated. It was like banging, nailing, fucking screwing. And then it was like, I think one or two in had to do with, like it was like riding. And we're like, oh, they're, they're okay, women, there we go. Right. <laughs> you know? But it was, it's very male dominated. And I, and, um, I don't think it's a male versus female fight that we're fighting. I think we have to come together, no pun intended, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and have these conversations because I think that there's a lot of miscommunication between the genders sure. and if we talk more about it. There'd be a lot less stigma, a lot less taboo and a lot, a lot more orgasms. Uh, for both, actually. For everyone. Well, better ones, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to say that both sides need to come together, men and women need to come together and have conversations about sex is, is a lofty goal role, right? As yep. much as we want to say, hey, you in your relationship with your partner, um, whether it's uh, someone you just hook up with or someone you're married to or someone you're dating, figure out how to have those conversations just between you two, right? Be open about it. Understand that 
um, you got to educate yourself on both sides, right? You need to know about yourself, your body, what's okay, what's okay to think, what's okay to want, um, what's okay to like. Um, but you also have to understand the other side because um, you were talking about anal for men, right? And um, as we start to get a little raunchy for most people's taste, but I think it's a great example of an understanding that women need to have of men as well. Um, obviously, there's so much understanding that guys need to have of women that goes without saying based on the things guys think and say and joke about. But um, it goes both ways, too, because there's some guys out there that are sensitive or want things that um, are not taboo for for men and things like that. So go on. Yeah. And, and I, um, I think if somebody had just posted some, I follow a lot of sex researchers and like a lot of professionals in the sex industry, like this, the, the academia kind of space of human sexuality. Right. But he posted and, and it really kind of caught me off guard because I'll own where I need to change. And the post was something like, Stop using the terms female sexuality and male sexuality because you're assuming that there are specific distance, uh, differences between or across all the genders. It's not that there's two different types of sexuality. Right. It's every single person. So if I mean, I think most of the time we talk about things with sex, we talk about generalizations. That's kind of how humans communicate. We can't possibly cover every single human being's needs and wants when we talk. But that's something that now I'm mindful of. I speak so much about, or so often about female sexuality or male sex, when it's just sexuality, period. Yeah. So, you know, once we stop labeling it, I think a lot of the other stuff will kind of fall away. So I'm now more cognizant of, okay, stop saying female sexuality, because I might say, oh, you know, when it, term, when it comes to female sexuality, you know, women, we need a lot of time. We need this. We need that. And there could be women that are like, uh, yeah, no, I hate foreplay. I right. come fast and I don't need to fantasize. So I don't ever want anyone to feel that anything I say is the normal. There is no such thing, you know. Yeah. So I think that's something I've learned, too, is that we talk about male and female sexuality. Like you either have to fall into one or the other. And yeah. that's not, not accurate. Sure. Well, good. Well, with that said, I, I said we should talk about a, a few things that are common misconceptions, right? And that's easy for a first conversation like this, right? You could talk about the common ones. Um, you, I guess you could talk about some uncommon uh, misconceptions that there are too. But um, why don't we start with some of the common ones that like when you're in your workshops or you're having conversations or you said you work with individual clients as well too, right? Yeah. So some of the things that women bring up that guys just don't understand, and some of these are going to be layups, right? But um, maybe just to get those conversations started, and then maybe we could talk about some things that, you know, might surprise some people. Yeah. So some of the, a a lot of what I talk about in my workshops, um, and even with my individual clients is really just um, being able to express, one, be comfortable with what you want sexually, which is really difficult. Uh, and two, be able to communicate that and um, and the barriers that come into that or the barriers to enjoying sex or the barriers to enjoy or, you know, reaching an orgasm with a partner. And I hear a lot of the well, same. Hold on, hold on. Let's stop right there. Um, and I promised you I'd interrupt you so I don't feel bad. Um, um, 
communicating about sex, right? When you're working with people or after one of your workshops, what kind of questions do you get about that? Because I'm sure if there's this stigmatism for what guys want and women feel like they need to be a certain way, um, what are women saying about why they're either afraid to communicate that to men or how they're going about it or some of the reactions they get to it? Yeah. Um, loaded questions. So I'm just going to like touch yeah. on the big Yeah, so many different ways. Yeah. So um, a lot of it, and it, this goes both ways, is that they're fearing judgment and rejection. I mean, that's pretty much a human fear anyway. So for a woman, we're, we're taught since birth uh, that we are, um, we are here for male sexual pleasure. Now that's not a man-hating comment. That's not a anything. It's just, it's, it's fact. That's how we're raised. Uh, And men are taught that they have to perform, right? You have to have an erection for this long. Your penis has to be this big, all of these BS things. Um, So we have these two things. Okay. As a woman, we're supposed to just kind of like we're supposed to be a pincushion and make sure that the guy is really happy. And the guy is thinking, okay, I need to stay hard for a long time in this, and which is not accurate at all. And I think by any time we have to say something or think something that's out of that, um, that mold, it's very uncomfortable. So for right. a woman to have to come out and say, actually, I want – I want to actually have an orgasm first and this is what it's going to take and it might take an hour and this is what I need first and this is what I need second. It's so out of the mold. Like that's not what we're taught. Right. We're taught if you speak up about sex or you enjoy pleasure, you're promiscuous or you're a slut. You have the slut shaming. You know, so growing up, you as a girl, you have to choose. Do you want to be a prude or do you want to be promiscuous? That's your choice. Right. It's, it's awful, but that's your choice. So then we get to be adults. And now our partners want us to be sexual and it's a lot more acceptable to be sexual and we're completely lost. So I think a lifetime of learning to be one way that actually is not conducive to solid intimacy at all as an adult. So it's a lot of the fear of rejection. Um, It's also as far as what women say to me is that as far as why they can't receive pleasure or they can't orgasm is there's a massive body image issue. If you're, if you're, I'm not saying men are not like this too, but more common with women, if our head is blocked by anything, the orgasm is not going to happen. And it could be as simple as getting into a position and seeing an extra roll on our stomach and it's over. We're done. Like it's not happening. So I think that's another thing. Women struggle with their body image. They struggle with how they feel about their, 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 I call them pretty pink parts because that's how I want people to think of them. Um, but they struggled. A part of that activity was coming up with words, you know, for the vagina, and they were right. horrible. <laughs> they were awful. Yeah. They were being ugly and smelly. So, yeah. like, how relax when that's what society is talking about our body parts, you know? Um, so, I think those are those are the big ones. Is they they are embarrassed, they're ashamed of what they want because uh-huh. it doesn't the category that we're supposed to fall into. They are embarrassed about their bodies and they, a lot of women take, take time, a lot of time. And that's society expects men and women to orgasm the same way. And we just don't. So it's not that women take a long time. It's just 
not what society tells us we're supposed to be used to. Do you think, because it's easy to say that society thinks that, right? Mm -hmm. That men and women should, but I don't think, and I hope, no one actually, like, when they sit and think about that, thinks they're supposed to orgasm the same way. I think, I think there's misconceptions about how people orgasm, right? Because they may be basing it off of porn or some girl that was act, and I'm speaking about men, off of porn or how some girl was acting to please him when she didn't really feel that way. But I don't, I don't know that in the grand scheme, if that many people sat down and said, hey, this is how guys orgasm, this is how women orgasm, they would expect that they even be close. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think it's just that nobody talks about it. So there's always going to be that little fear that if you if you say, oh, hey, I take a really long time. Yeah, most of the women in the room are going to be like, oh, thank God, I do too. Because I get yeah. that all the time. What's wrong with me? I take like an hour. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. You're a female. Like, I don't understand. Right. But it's because nobody taught. You're absolutely right. If you told people individually and say, hey, curiously, do you think men and women reach orgasm the same way? I would say 9.9 .9 people out of 10 will be like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, no, we're totally yeah. different. Yeah. Nobody about it. So there's always right. that fear, you know? I mean, even the memes that are on that are yeah, on social media, sure. they're, they just perpetuate the same BS over and over and over again. It right. drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so you were saying, I got you off track, but you were saying, can I hear you talk? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I thought you were breaking up there for a second. But um, you were saying communication was one of the first misconceptions about, you know, sex between men and women. And then um, I, I hope you remember, like, where you go from there on common misconceptions about sex that you hear. Yeah, so communication is a big one. Yep. Um. And like body image, should we talk? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we said that. Yeah. Body image. Um, just this simply the way we orgasm yeah. is it's hard to uh, be open about that because it it goes against being there for male pleasure. So mm -hmm. by us talking about that, it's basically we're like you know outlaws by being like, no, actually, you know, we're actually not here for just you. We, I want to be pleased too, right. and. Even as sexually aware as I am, even as an adult, I'm 38, I'm married, and I still am retraining myself on how to ask for pleasure and then actually be able to receive it. They're mm -hmm. two very things, and they're both really hard, regardless of how comfortable you are with your sexuality. It's really yeah. hard. So, I, so that's a topic right there, because, like I said, a large part of my pleasure is... Um, seeing my partner in pleasure, whether that's something I'm doing, hopefully it's something I'm doing right, right? But, um, you know, I, I always like that part of it. So foreplay is really big to me, um, up to so much so that I, I'm pretty sure I could probably watch them have pleasure, watch them orgasm, not have an orgasm myself, and still be pretty satisfied. I shouldn't say pretty sure. I'm 99%. I'm because <laughs> so, yeah. I really like it yeah so for me I feel like and this is just my own opinions on myself I'm in tune with the pleasure they're getting because I'm trying to judge 
that for my own pleasure, like where they're at for my own pleasure, right? So it's hard for me at times to think, hey, you know, a girl's faking it because I'm sure girls have faked it with me before, but um, I'm really sensitive to that. So when you talk about girls taking so much time and allowing themselves to orgasm and all that, like how are you coaching them up to that in what they're doing with their partner, right? Because some guys, based on what they say, like I said before, are so oblivious. Like mm -hmm. what, 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 can you do, because you're, obviously, a girl doesn't need help getting to an orgasm by herself as right. much, right? Or do you have a lot of women that, that come to you and say, hey, yeah, I can't even get to orgasm on my own? Um, I absolutely have spoken to women who are in their 40s and 50s that have never had an orgasm, and, and it's actually not as uncommon, like, anywhere between 10 to At 20 all? Like, by themselves, ever? Correct. So anywhere between 10 and 20%. The research is so skewed because sexual research is self-reported. Right. So there's going to be that like gray area, which is sure. why it's, it's so hard to study. Um, but anywhere between 10, 15% of women have never had an orgasm before. Which is and tough for me because I, th I thought the statistics around that, not that I really thought about it that much, but I thought the statistics around that were just women having orgasm with a guy. And, and I don't even just mean sex, you know, um, you know, guy going down on her, all that stuff. I thought that that's where that came from. Not, and I guess just never thought about it spanned over that. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And the, the other thing too, is, um, even mass, my big thing is if my, an opinion, every woman should masturbate like as regularly as possible right. for so men same thing not only is it clinically healthy for you it actually helps to reduce the rate of prostate cancer but that's a whole other thing um chemically it absolutely wait 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 wait, wait. let's touch on something right there yeah you if you have sex a lot that also is going to reduce it then or ejaculating just in however general. you want so women are actually risking men's health when they abstain from sex. You heard it here from Nina, the sex professional, that men are hurting women's or women are hurting men's health. No. Do you see this breakthrough? We've done something really powerful. We're gonna wrap it up right there because I've got a couple of women to speak with from my past. I'm going to the NIH with this one, Alex. Right. Um, no, no, because your sexual pleasure and your health is your responsibility, not not anybody else's. But same thing with... I don't agree with that. I'm that? just kidding. I said I don't agree with that. <laughs> now you have something to tell the ladies. Right, 100%. percent don't want me to die. You're going to sleep with me right now. From um, prostate. Healthy <laughs> prostate. Yes, I, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell her one thing, a guy with an unhealthy prostate is not buying flowers and dinner. Tell her that. <laughs> you heard that here too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Master, <laughs> masturbation is yes. essential. For women to have orgasms, it's great for their health too. It's great for um, period cramps. It's great for um, someone. Someone once said to me, it's great for, you can actually have, um, 
they call it, they're called postcoital headaches, which just means usually after intercourse, you can get a headache, but it's not so much the intercourse, it's just the orgasm. So some people can have really bad headaches after they orgasm. So there's a lot of stuff that chemically and physiologically happens when you orgasm right. that are amazing. So I think one of the things is if a, if a woman cannot bring herself to orgasm, um, one, it's going to be really hard for her to, to tell somebody else. And also, I think sometimes women who have not had an orgasm yet are very nervous about what it's going to feel like when it actually happens. And so that would be a barrier too, mentally, to be with a partner who's trying to give you an orgasm and or bring you to orgasm and you are like afraid of what it's going to feel like because it's, right. it's an intense. So, you know, if you don't get used to that first and you don't know what to expect, that can kind of be a blocker to begin with. You know, if you're with another partner, the statistics you're talking about, I think, Alex, are... Um, women who can orgasm strictly from penetration versus clitoral stimulation. And I have my whole opinion on this, but supposedly 15 to 20% of women can orgasm through penetration alone. Yeah. But, but even those women, our clitoris is not just what we see on the outside. It's actually a really, it's a really big thing. Actually, they have that there's little legs that come off of it it's behind the labia. It's like a pretty, pretty decent organ size there. Right. So during, during penetration, it can actually be stimulated in other ways. So even researchers are like, hmm, I'm still not sure anatomically if you can have an actual orgasm strictly from penetration and no clitoral stimulation. It might not be as obvious, but um, I, 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 I agree with that side. I agree that almost every woman needs some sort of clitoral stimulation. Um, but it's something that's really hard to study because what I think might be an orgasm, maybe, you know, Mary doesn't think it's an orgasm or right. there are that I think I've had an orgasm. I said, then you have not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think I'm in labor. Like, nope, you, you'll know. Yeah. You'll know. For sure. <laughs> there are just so much, there's so many feelings that sexual feelings that feel so good. They give you so many different sensations. And if you're not sure of what an orgasm actually feels like you might jump to think that those good sexual feelings are an orgasm and right. they're not um as a guy that has studied like i said women's orgasms uh firsthand and if my mom's listening to this i apologize um <laughs> but i have kids so she she knows something um <laughs> nonetheless i think this is going to be total, totally my opinion and my observation, I feel like. But I feel like as a woman gets older, um, she has a better chance of, of being someone who trained themselves to have an orgasm. And I mean that in a couple of different ways, right? And I also think that makes a woman more likely to have sex in a later age too because they're learning how to please themselves in the sexual experience right um, does that make sense i had this yeah. conversation the other day so this came about because um and and we're just gonna get as as real as we can here well you're real talk with nina right 
That's me. Real talk with Nina, dude. Right, right. Keep so, going. So I told my buddy probably when he was 23 or 24, I said, as you get older, I feel like women will be more willing to have sex than they are when they're younger, right? And he didn't understand it or whatever. And we just had this conversation the other day because he's like, you were so right. And I told him my thought process behind that was, was exactly this, that a woman has had more sexual experiences. She knows the benefit to her pleasure more when she's older, hence why she'd be more willing to have it. I think it that the spectrum moves closer to that of men, right? Men know from the very start, like if I have sex, it's going to feel good. And I'm, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time I'm going to finish. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I agree with you. Um, I, a woman actually just asked the other day, she said, a client of mine, she said, I feel like um, she had mentioned that she was at the gym. Um, and she's probably, I mean, I don't know how old she is, probably like, I don't know, 30s, 40s. Um, and she said to me, you know, uh, do you think that there's something like a sexual energy that people can give off? I said, oh, 100%. Like a hundred percent. That's actually how I connect with people, even right. on a level. I just I I zone in more on sexual energy than than any other type of energy. And um, I said, yeah, why? And she said, I don't know what it is, but ever since we started coaching together, and this is not a shameless plug. There's a point to it. Right. Um, uh, I am getting hit on more at the gym. Mm -hmm. Now she's to to begin with, but. Um, and we probably had at this point about six coaching sessions together. And I said, I think, I said, I'm not going to take credit for that. But what I will take credit for is because I'm providing a space where she could say whatever she wants about herself as a sexual being and maybe like, go for it. That's awesome. It is. It's this like empowered, liberating vibe that she's clearly now giving off <laughs> to, and she's married, so it right. makes her good that other men are find her desirable. Um, so I think women, as they get older, there's also much less, is that even, can I even say much less? Is that even a thing? But there's less stigma attached to being sexual as we get older. So if someone is 16 and sleeping around, there will most likely be slut shaming, which kills right. me, but it is what it is. At, in their 30s, if you're single and dating around and you're sleeping with a lot of people, you're just you're just living the life. You're like just it's dating. A, you're, yeah, you're just dating, right? So I think that with the stigma that really kind of is like not really there anymore, um, we're much more comfortable with ourselves. Not that we think our bodies look better than they did when they were 20. Most of us, we know it does not. Right. But I own a lot more of it now um, than we did. And I think a lot of that is, society, again, society too. At one point, that model, what's her name, Twiggy, was like the thing. It was like you aspired to be super skinny. Now, it's it's gone the other way. Thick women, thick this, big ass, thick thighs, you know, strong women, muscles, like it's changed a lot. So I think as that changes too, as far as what's quote unquote acceptable, um, women, you know, I'm definitely more confident in my body now at 38 than I've ever been before. Not because it looks better, because it certainly does not. Right. 
Yeah. But I just, I don't, I just, I guess I just own it. I had two kids. I work out. It is what, what you see is what you get. I'll own yeah. it. And I'm 10 times more open in the bedroom than I was 20 years ago. But it's a lot. So when you talk about the energy, I think that could go, should go without saying, right? Because, um, you know, confident people, if that's what, what that energy is bringing them, confident people just carry themselves different than people who are not. You said something else to me that totally um, was like an eye opener for me too. You said to me, I think if more men actually experience what it's like to please a woman, like orgasm wise, right. they would be more excited to do it. And I have, I have a guy friend that said to me, um, you know, I think if women would give their male partners, um, he, he made some baseball reference, but it was genius. It was basically like, um, if you can just give him a few easy hits, he, he's more, he'll be more confident at that kind of a right. thing. So if I don't encourage anyone to fake an orgasm ever. Uh, I understand why people do it, but it's completely, that's like a whole other conversation, how ineffective that is. But I think having um, little things working up to having him give, you know, provide the space for an orgasm is important. So instead of going, okay, he's, I'm just going to kind of only reward him or, or, or you know, if the orgasm happens is not, it, it's, a little bit more involved than a male orgasm. So little things like one telling him a little bit more about what you need, but not faking it, but just if he's doing something that you like, yeah, I'm totally okay supporting women going a little bit above and beyond the response, not faking it, but if right. something feels really good, make sure you let him know in as many ways possible. Well, I think also to go deeper into what i you know the comments you're talking about if guys truly understood um the pleasure you get out of pleasing someone else right because what what we're talking about is the issue most time is self-conscious issues right so for a guy we need that those words of affirmation and that that positive reinforcement just as much right so I think if a guy knew the things he was doing that felt good to a woman um, and had a, had more of a rubric for, for how to help her out, I think guys would be a lot more willing to do it, right? But you, you've got two things working against each other there, right? You've got one, the girl's faking it, and so a guy thinks something that doesn't really feel all that good feels good. So you've got that. Which also made me think about the fact that different things feel good to different people, right? So I may do something with this girlfriend that, I'm sorry, I may have done something with my last girlfriend that felt really good to her, but this girlfriend hates it, Yep. right? And she doesn't tell me she hates it, and that's all. That's the only way I know how to do it. So we're kind of stuck in this rut because, once again, there's no communication. Yeah. So that's that's one part. Um, I want to think about the best way to, to explain the other part. The other part is if, if a guy truly understood that 
I think it, he's going to thirst for that knowledge more and more too, right? So if – I'm trying to think. You, I guess you brought it up a great way right then, right? It doesn't always have to be orgasm or bust. I've never thought about it that way. Um, working up – because you're educating both sides when you're working up like that, right? If you, if you say, okay, um, I want you to try this. If a girl was to tell a guy, I want you to try this, and then, you know, she kind of – she just, I guess you don't have to decide on a time limit, but she just decides after this amount of time, if it feels good, we're just going to move on. And now mm -hmm. he knows that I like that. Yep. Um, I think those type of communications are ways that people can connect. And I think that type of conversation and everything is, is being open with each other, which is not easy, right? Not easy oh. for just simple things. In if it was easy, you know? <laughs> right. Well, for simple things in relationship is what I was going to say. You know, it's not easy to communicate about how you want your laundry done sometimes, never mind, you know, how you want pleasure to an orgasm, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I can definitely see, as we've had this conversation, someone being ashamed just of the fact that they know what they like, right? So if you're with someone who is not as experienced or just doesn't know a ton of things and you go to them and say, Hey, I want this. I could definitely see me being the person sharing, Hey, I want this with someone who's not as experienced and then being like, Oh, how do you know you want that? <laughs> or, you know, how many times does that happen? Especially yeah. if they're uncomfortable with it. Um, so all, all that is gonna, is gonna halt the conversation. I think one of the ways I was planning to like wrap this thing up, which I, you know, we don't have to just yet, but because I was, I was going to ask, um, what are the ways you would recommend women to communicate those things to men? And obviously you're having workshops, you're having one-on-one -on -one conversations, so you have to have some experience with that. And then, you know, at the end, I would definitely say, what are some things that, if you're speaking directly to men, like what are some steps they should take to start this process of better communication, better intimacy, all those things? Um so I, I always end up to say a lot and then you have to answer it all. What's that? I said, I always end up saying a lot and then you have to answer like four different questions <laughs> in one. I know. Yeah, but I love it, Alex. I love it. Um, those are really, really good questions. Like really, really, really good questions. One of the things I did talking about how, how women can start to communicate this is I'm really big on games. Um, not like head games, like actual couples fun games. Um, and because it's so, it's much less intimidating. It takes the ego out of it. It becomes fun and it can turn very sexy, very fast. Sure. And, um, one of the things I did at my recent workshop was an activity called design your orgasm. And we went through the sexual response cycle and, uh, which could be another call because men and women have it. Um, yeah. But it was basically at each stage, what do you need? And I said, don't put your name on it. I'm not going to collect it. I want you to be, I'm forcing you to pay attention to what feels good for you to the point of orgasm. And you're going to write it. So it was literally, I said, be very specific. Like desire is the first one, for example. What get what starts to get you in the mood? It could be, it could be anything. There is no right or wrong answer. So they wrote that down. And then I said, and then it was like, for how long? So like, how long do you enjoy being in that desire phase? Meaning you're not like really physically doing anything. You're just like really in the mood. 
And then you have arousal, which is usually when you start <laughs> working on your, your goal there. And what do you need? Do you need toys? Do you need fingers? Do you need porn? Do you need erotica? Do you need the lights, music? Do you like to dress up? Like whatever it is. Right. And, then, and then when you orgasm, what is that like for you? How do you physically respond? Um, and I gave them some examples because I know some some women are um, is self-conscious about what happens to their body when they have an orgasm. And, you know, how long does your orgasm last? And then a resolution is after the orgasm. Now, women, we are really lucky where we don't have that refractory period that you guys have right. where there's we don't have to necessarily wait a certain amount of time. Um, and that's where you have women who have multiple orgasms, which is really just kind of having an orgasm and not starting all the way back to the first stage. We can kind of hang there, you know? And um, we talked about that. And so after they were done, they were, first of all, they were all talking to each other, which was awesome. Uh, And I heard, I overheard a few things, which was awesome. And I said, now when we're done, I said, fold it and just take it home with you. I said, maybe your, your partners are going to say like, what'd you do with this workshop? Show them. It's just a funny kind of chill way to start the conversation. Well, two women um, messaged me the next morning and um, said that not only did that one piece of paper spark really, really good conversation, but it also got both people really, really horny and they had a night. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. (laughs) So that was awesome. I'm big on games, really big on games. There's websites I tell my clients about that are free. it's just uh, that's like the number one thing for me when I work at workshops or one on one is I make it fun. I make yeah. it fun. Curious? It's 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 intimidating. Yeah, and so I, I guess more of my question on that is how do they how do you coach women up on taking what you learned at this workshop and expressing it to your partner? Right. So a game obviously is one way, but what if it's you know just a conversation? Um, cause I'm sure they get some interest, interesting responses, um, and maybe not a workshop as much as like an individual coaching client or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the big no, no's when talking about sex is not to bring up stuff in the bedroom. So I'm a huge, huge cheerleader for neutral environments to bring up a conversation. So let's say you have some sort of sexual experience with your partner and like, it's okay, you know, whatever. There are things that you didn't like or maybe things that you really did like, whatever. Don't, that night is actually not the time to talk about it. Not Mm. during it. I mean, if something hurts or you're not, I mean, say something, but I'm talking about a conversation that night is not, people are still super, super fragile, both partners during it and right after. A day or so later, you could be in the car going to the grocery store and literally, and I've done this, literally been like, you know what was so freaking hot the other night? Like that's how you start the conversation. And always start, always, 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 always. So you know what was really hot the other night when you X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden it's like like, like this chest puff up, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell me more. What else, what else did I do that was really awesome? Right. You know, because sometimes you don't have to tell them what they're doing wrong. You just have to let them know what they're doing right. Men 
contrary to popular belief, are actually not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> really want to please good men, really want yeah. to please you, and either they don't know how, um, or they don't know how, so that's usually yeah. why they do. Um, so by saying that that was really hot, or that felt amazing, or it look, you're, you're, I'm big on specifics, like your, your shoulders looked so hot when you were doing this to me, or your forearms were doing this when you were doing, like, really get there with them and right. there remember like oh, all right all right i got to do you like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do a little shoulder workout and then yeah. i'm gonna come to you at night you know right. um so start with compliments always make it super chill in a very neutral environment uh that those are huge I and mean, that could literally make or break a conversation don't ever do it like hey you know how we just had sex? Well, it was really bad and it hurt and I nothing it didn't feel it's first of all, if something hurts, it should be told in, in the moment. Right. Uh, but deeper conversations, yeah, just super light, focus on the positives. And if over and over he or she keeps doing something that you do not like, um it might be a little bit more of a straightforward conversation. Like, you know, and there's different ways around it, I guess. Again, start with compliments and you can say, you know, when you did this, I like that much better than when you did that. I don't know. It just, this felt so much better. Sure. So you're not this bad. You're just saying, hey, this was so much better. Well, then, then he probably will never go back to the other thing he was doing. For sure. Or she. Or she. I mean, look, women, we, we don't know all the answers either. Right. Right. So if you were going to talk directly to guys then what what's some advice you would give for for taking the first step being more knowledgeable or I don't even know the right way to put it because mm. uh, you ever, I'm sure you have some clients that are guys right believe it or not a lot of <laughs> I want to oh. say I want to say more men um, because men I think, feel like they're supposed to know everything. Mm -hmm. So they don't consciously seek out uh, information from their partners because it's they're supposed to know everything about sex. And right. me, because I'm, I'm unbiased. I'm not going to reject them. I'm not divorcing them. I don't care what they're like in bed. Right. So it's just here. Um, what would I tell men? What have I told men? Um, make it really obvious that you want her to be pleased. Mm. And um, that can come in a whole bunch of different forms. But the truth is, most men, you guys are a pretty sure thing, you know, as far as your orgasm is concerned. Right. For the most we are not. And so if you focus on her pleasure and make it really known, whether it's literally saying, I can't wait to whatever orgasm does not have to be the end goal. And I think that's something that is a big shift that has to happen. I know physiologically it could be uncomfortable for men. Like I get that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's let her know that you really want to please her um, in the moment. Compliment her body. If you address the major barriers to female pleasure and female orgasm, it's like communication and body image issues. So communicate by telling her or asking her, what do you want me to do to you? 
Right. Um, so, you know, and then during it, tell her how soft her skin is. Tell her, I mean, don't be fake. Don't be like, right, I, right. Lo- I love your right knee. It's so sexy. Like, don't, you know, like if, if you touch her skin and even if it's warm, just tell her like your skin is so warm or tell her, <laughs> tell her that her pretty pink parts are really pretty. Tell her she smells good. Tell her she tastes good. Those are things that women are really self-conscious about. So by removing those barriers, you're allowing her to experience and be more in the moment um, than worrying, oh my gosh, you know, is it taking too long? Do I smell? What does it look like? Blah, 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 blah. Tell her like squash those for her right. tell her you know whether it's oh i could be down here forever i could i could freaking die down here it's amazing or you know that way she's like all right he's okay i might take a while but he clearly is okay right and you just kind of like knock down those barriers one by one um ask her what she wants compliment her take your time when you can okay. <laughs> that's that's lost on most people now i love foreplay but i also have two kids right so it can't, it can't always happen. Uh, so foreplay is big. Build up. Don't go right for her. Don't go right for her vagina. <laughs> like right. almost get her to the point where she'll let you know <laughs> when she wants you to touch her, you know, down there, whether she takes your hand or just flat out says it. But if your goal is to be like, I want to tease her so much where she's the one that's literally either driving her, her vagina into me or she says to me, do you have to like touch it? Right. <laughs> you know, that's what, we want. that's what we want. We have to get, I say we, it's not every girl, but we want, we need the buildup. Like or, our orgasm starts in our, in our head long before it gets down to our, our pretty parts. <laughs> and I think we hear that more and more now. So I believe it. I believe it. Well, that's kind of where we'll probably wrap up for today. I mean, um, looking forward to having other conversations, either more specific on one topic. I just wanted to keep this one general, so it may not be as racy as, as some other ones will get when we get into more detail. In addition to, um, you know, hopefully having some of those conversations that you have on here, right? If if someone yeah. will come on anonymously and discuss that, you know, and be honest, I, I think it'd be great. It, in addition to getting more people in here to, to have the conversation among more people. So um, I really appreciate you taking some time. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, Thanks for it, having me. It was good to have a video call with you and be able to actually see you and do that stuff. <laughs> Different. And then, uh, and then I will go from there. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. And then if for your social, if someone wanted to look you up, what what's your Instagram? Um, it's just Nina Cudney, N-I-N-A-C-U-D-N-E-Y. So it's just at my first and last name. Um, Facebook, my business page, you can just look up Real Talk with Nina. YouTube, same thing, Real Talk with Nina. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, we'll talk to you here soon. All right. Awesome, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Bye. Bye.